Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Hey, welcome to Unfiltered Talk Podcast. This is episode five. Uh, My name is Brian. If you are uh, logging on for the first time or watching or listening for the first time, basically it's a podcast. We're dealing specifically with life, leadership, what's going on in culture. In fact, these last two weeks, we talked about uh, racial injustice and Jesus followers. So go back, listen to episode three and four, if you missed those, but I'm the host of Unfiltered Radio on WTV and 570, 9, 10 a.m. That airs weekdays um, every single week, and then I'm also the pastor of Centerpoint Church, and you can get information about both those at either unfilteredradio.com or centerpointfl.org, and so anyway, wherever you are joining us, really glad you are with us, and today we're switching it up a little bit. Um, I just mentioned I'm the pastor of Centerpoint. Uh, if you're not connected to Centerpoint, uh, we have a pretty interesting backstory. And so as I was talking with our team, we thought it'd be really cool to just share some of that backstory. If you're not familiar with Centerpoint, I want to talk about several other things as well. So hang with us. I think it's going to be uh, relevant. But if you don't know our backstory, um, I'm the pastor of, of Centerpoint. I have been for uh, 10 years or almost 10 years. Uh, but our church actually goes back way further than that. And um, as many don't know, because our church has grown pretty significantly, especially the last couple of years, my dad was uh, the original pastor, the founding pastor. And so I'm super excited to have my dad, uh, Dale Golden, on. And um, so thanks for joining me, Dad. Glad to be here. You don't really have anything else to do because you just had surgery on your foot, so you literally can't really move. That's exactly right. I'm stuck. I mean, 14 was bad enough, but now I... I'm stuck, can't drive. For real. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's what I want to do. Just give a little backstory uh, for a lot of people who don't know. So we're Centerpoint Church, uh, but Centerpoint Church really was birthed out of uh, Bethel Baptist Church, which that's going to be a huge shock to some people. But just go back and like give me um, the backstory of how you ended up um, at Bethel. Um, basically, uh, it didn't launch it, but it pretty much did. There was a couple families when you came, but how did you end up there um, at Bethel? And just kind of what is the backstory going all the way back to the beginning, which is almost like, what, for almost 40 years, right? which is right. crazy. Yeah, uh, Bethel was, was our first ministry after graduating from uh, college, from uh, uh, Spurgeon Baptist Bible College, which is now Piedmont uh, University. But uh, yeah, we began as home missionaries. We were with the, uh, at that time was, uh, the fellowship of Baptist home missions became Baptist church planters. And so we were, my wife and I missionary, uh, missionary pastors at, uh, at Bethel. And so we started, as you mentioned, 1980 
And uh, from there, uh, of course, at that time, we were meeting in a, a, a little small building that's no longer there. Mm-hmm. It was an drive, old driver's education building that had been moved onto the property. And that was our auditorium. But in 1984, we built a uh, built the auditorium that is now the south the former south campus uh we built that in 1984 during that time we went self-supporting which meant up till then our support came from uh various churches across the northeast that had taken us on for support and they were supporting us and then when the church went self-supporting they extended a call for me to stay as their their pastor and and feeling that our ministry wasn't finished yet we uh, we resigned from the mission and then took that uh, opportunity and uh, you know began as a lead pastor at that point you know we started with maybe uh, uh, 20 or less people mm-hmm. and, um, so I don't know how far you want me to just go yeah through. no that's good so and the, so the follow-up question I was going to ask that I think people would be interested in. So when you you got here to Bethel in Valrico um, in 1980, so you were like you were a missionary pastor. So your your actually original role was going around and um, helping start churches, or how would you describe it? Yeah, well, that was uh, we were when we came out of Bible college. Uh, our goal was to be church planters we were going to start churches yeah this uh bethel baptist there was a retired um pastor who was teaching over at spurgeon baptist bible college uh they started a work in a home and so there were a few people but they didn't have a full-time pastor and uh so like it was a couple people. I mean, I mean more than a couple, but it was it was a pretty. It's like a a large community group, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, and yeah. and mainly older people, like some great people, but older in age, right? Yeah. And so, so you came in 1980. So your goal was just to kind of help get this thing going, more established, and then you were going to move on to another church to help plan and get it started and so forth. So. So when, when you decided in 86, I think, so you helped them, it grew, helped them build a building on what is now our South Campus, uh, if you're familiar with Centerpoint. So what led you to stay? Because like you were there for six years, plan was to go somewhere else. Like, why did you end up staying here? Well, it was, you know, I, uh, I went through a, a time as I was praying about where we would go next. Um, and I began to, there was just kind of an angst uh, as far as I just felt, you know, that, that we weren't quite done. And, uh, and so when uh, they extended the call to us, I mean, after we prayed and we just did not have peace because I, what I kept saying to myself, even though I was a church planter, does that mean that I have to be a church planter? the rest of my life or mm-hmm. does God does God change direction? You know, God leads us to one ministry and may may move us to another uh, in another direction. Of course yeah. he did lead us to uh, I believe be the uh uh the lead pastor at that point and uh not knowing that we would be there as long as we have been. Yeah. 
yeah church planters you get your first stop <laughs> and then you're done you're done for 40 years yeah so um so it was a, a conservative Baptist church, independent. It wasn't connected to a denomination or anything like that. But it was a Baptist church. Um, you know, it grew. It grew. I would say significantly younger. I mean, it was. You know, there was always a good influx of like older generation, but it grew significantly younger from what you inherited when you got there, which was all really older, seasoned individuals. However, you want to put that. Um, you know, people trusted Jesus that built the, the large building on the South Campus, which like little side back. I mean, you like physically helped with your hands build that building with other missionaries. And like I have a picture like playing in the sand or whatever as the building's being constructed as like a six year old. So that, that gives you a little idea of like how far back uh, the history goes. So but it, you know, it, it grew. um you know, at some level and, and built that building and um, it, the community grew up around it. So what's really interesting is where the South Campus is right now. Like when you first got there, as you look at picture, there was nothing around. Like that was, it was very rural area. Um, yeah, yeah, it, which is it's crazy for people to think about now. Um, so, so as that happened and like as you moved into the 90s or whatever and had been there 10 15 years so you talk a lot about um like I, I think the best way to to say it is some things started to bother you um and that kind of led you to rethink some things to kind of uh I don't know go on this personal journey of uh just uh, rediscovering how you were doing ministry and what you felt like the future looked like. So talk about that. Like talk about what started to bother you. Because again, like our church was incredibly faithful. People were, were trusting Jesus, you know, all, all of those things. But um, you started to kind of have an angst. Yes. Um, of course, like, you know, it took quite a while before we could get an influx of some younger people. But I I began to realize that the people the majority of the people that we were reaching were people that were just like us. Mm. They, they were the same, you know, very conservative and, and so on. And we had a group that, you know, while certainly we had our ups and downs over the years, but we had a group that, that enjoyed being together. We had a, uh, we had our potluck suppers. We had so on. And so we That's were. That's such a Baptist thing. Yeah, that is exactly. And um, so uh, we did that, and I began to get an angst to the fact that while we had a group that enjoyed one another, a lot of our people were driving quite a ways to come to church. The church, the, the community was growing up around us, and we weren't reaching the community in the way I felt we need to be reaching a community and part of my angst was that the culture of our church really didn't reflect the culture of the community in which we were living mm. and um and in fact that that little debate in my mind actually started back uh the seed was planted back in 1978 back the year you were born uh, when I went to a, a conference and a, a message 
where the pastor said, you know, if you want a growing church, you have to have a church that is doctrinally correct. You have to have a, a church that is um, uh, spiritually alive. And you have to have a church that is culturally relevant. And I went through that and I, as I mold that around in my own mind and heart, I realized that I believed that doctrinally we were correct. I mean, as best, mm -hmm. you know, we, the Bible was uh, the, you know, that was the center of our faith. Like know? all Baptists, you, exactly. you're right. I, I, I trust it's not a Baptist thing. The Bible yeah, has to be our, uh, our rule of faith and practice. But, but and then spiritually alive, I, you know, we were seeing folks say, we were, yeah. God was working, but when it came to the culturally relevant, I wasn't, I had, wasn't sure that we were there. And I tried to even talk with some of my pastor friends at that time, and uh, no one wanted to talk about it. No one, mm. because culture was, it was kind of a bad thing. And, uh, and there wasn't the idea that you can engage with culture without giving up your, your, your doctrine. Yeah. The, sep the the idea was more you need to separate from culture yes. and be true to your beliefs yes. and pure in your doctrinal practices and um and yet Paul in the New Testament talks about in Jason talked about this on Sunday engaging the culture becoming all things to all people like Jesus even worked within the the guardrails of the culture yeah um like that that's what we've been called to do so so here's my so that like that's so huge because and I'm not going to quote the statistics exactly, but right now a lot of mainline denominations, and that's not a shot at mainline denominations, but they're they're uh, declining significantly. Um, somewhere around ninety percent of churches in the U.S. are plateaued or declining. So it's um, there's a huge influx of what they call nuns, which is non-affiliated. So they grew up in church and now they they declare themselves. If I don't really know what I believe. And so we are increasingly, not increasingly, we are post-Christian, which means a lot of people have some knowledge or even grew up with it and just decided it doesn't make sense for them anymore and have walked away. Um, and so all that to say, like, that's a huge issue. There's also a huge issue of a lot of churches where pastor, pastors are retiring out and, and many of those churches are, are dying. And so I, I say all that as a backdrop to... Um, when this really, like, I know this went on for years, but then when this really kind of hit um, a tipping point for you, I mean, you were in like your early 60s and you had grown up, <clears throat> excuse me, in a conservative Baptist environment, um, fundamentalist for some people, if they, you know, connect with that term, but that was kind of the environment you were in. And then you started to rethink everything because most people who attend Centerpoint would be shocked that. Um, we were birthed out of or uh, came from what was a Baptist church, Bethel Baptist Church, and eventually birthed Centerpoint Church. So all of that to say, um, in a long-winded way, like what got you to the place to start to challenge all of your thinking and even begin to change your thinking, things that you had held to for 40 years or 30 plus years, and then give you the courage to actually do something. 
because I'll, I'll probably come back around this because that just doesn't happen a lot. And all those statistics I just quoted you, it's because that's not happening in those churches. So how did you do that? Because I think you are the exception, not the rule. Well, I, I have to give you a lot of credit for this because you were still in the home and uh, you were doing a lot of reading along these lines. And, uh, and I, well, you and I would have just some conversations and I can remember in the beginning that, uh, you know, we, we were sometimes a little adversarial, you know, in a sense that, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I said, oh no, that, you know, that's not right. And, uh, but what I would do is I would, um, I, I would go away from conversations. And one thing I do is when I, anytime that I may disagree with someone, I kind of rehearse in my mind, my, you know, what we said, what was my response. And there were several times that as I walked away, I realized that my argument was not a good argument. And in fact, it was not a biblical argument. It was more of a, a prior cultural um, mm. argument. And uh, there were certain things that I realized were ingrained in me that I had grown up with. Mm. And probably the, one of the things, and you, you shared uh, some brief material sometimes. And so I, a couple of the books that I read, I, the statistics you shared earlier uh, kind of shook me to the core when I realized mm. that 95%, 90 to 95% of churches either plateaued or declining. So I began to evaluate our church in relation to that. And I realized that while we had periods of growth, we always, also had periods of decline. So we were mm. kind of in that plateaued area. And um, being someone that is getting late in life, I didn't want that to be my legacy of just, okay, now I'm going to retire. I'm going to just kind of preach out the rest of my life. I still had a desire to reach people. I, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to do whatever, whatever we could. Um, also, I knew that at my point in life, uh, that's something that was really uh, difficult, probably impossible to do by yourself. And at that point, you were my executive pastor back then. And uh, when uh, when I realized that we needed to make, you know, a lot of these changes, we worked together. You uh, you were instrumental in all the uh, the agenda that we were going to put forth. And and so I realize, especially at that point as, as a lead pastor, uh, after being there so many years, you, there's a low capital and folks trust you. I met with our, uh, I met with our staff. Actually, this was almost a three-year process of meeting with, with staff, make sure they were on board, then having congregational, not meetings, but get-togethers where they could lay it out, they could ask questions, and, and so forth. And so we got to the point in fact, when we were going to make the, the, uh, a change, which meant our, you know, our music was going to be different. Uh, we were, uh, there were some things we were going to add. Uh, and also that's when we brought up the, uh, the name change, which took quite a while. That was something in back when it was first mentioned to me, I was totally, no, that's, that's not a good thing. And then I, then I realized when talking to my, uh, back then was deacons, um, when they would begin telling me about people that would never attend our church because of the, of the name, I said, well, then 
then why? That's an obstacle. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's when we began to move forward to change the name and yeah. uh, and try to remove as many obstacles as possible. Yeah. Uh, for the gospel. And I can go on there. You want to? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say I think that's where some of that language even unintentionally started to be birthed even then about you know our vision to create a church that would be an alternative to church as usual but specifically our mission to to tear away every unnecessary barrier for people to find life and freedom in jesus and so really getting and this is where i just give you so much credit of being able to narrow in on what is really at the heart of people finding life and freedom in jesus and then holding loosely to everything else whether it's a denomination or the name on the sign or how you do ministry or how people dress or how the auditorium look. I mean, all of that and, um, and being willing to rethink, you know, all of it. And so I, I, here's my follow-up question is number one, it was a, it was a huge risk because when we ended up starting center point, it ended up being more than a name change. We, we changed everything. We really we literally kind of relaunched a brand new church, ultimately a new bylaws and organization. I mean, everything about it changed. Like what you said, what we, believed and like what i was brought up with uh, like didn't change in terms of our focus on jesus that had always been but now removing unnecessary barriers for all people to be able to reach the community engage the culture um but it costs to do that like we we ended up as much as you try to bring everybody along when all was said and done um, it was a pretty radical thing in the eyes of people and so we ended up with a small group when we launched centerpoint um and so like it costs like it was a huge step of faith like even relationally it cost you which is why i think a lot of people the risk is just too high so like talk about that for a second yeah um yeah it, it was it, actually in the beginning you know when we made the the change um everyone was in favor of it and but we knew we had we had discussed this thoroughly and knew that because it was such a radical change that while people may be on board at the beginning, it's not going to be for everyone. And uh, which turned out to be uh, to be true. Uh, while everyone stuck at the beginning and went through the change, then they began thinking, you know, I, I they wanted their con more conservative church. They like the organ, piano, you know, type music, hymns. And so it was not for everyone, but our thinking was that these folks knew the Lord. That wasn't a problem. They, you know, and if they uh, went somewhere else and got and went into a ministry that was what they were comfortable with, you know, we, we were happy with that because, you know, they knew the Lord. But we wanted to reach beyond our our group. We see many people, many people come to Christ. Yeah. And um, yeah, it. I, we were part of a fellowship, and um, I men that I had been serving with for years and years and years basically kind of dropped away. They turned a cold shoulder. I didn't talk to you anymore. I was like, I'll just say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, folks that I thought were very, very good friends, but because uh, you were like this radical guy starting this church that was going off the deep end. I mean, that was the that was the thought process. That, that's basically right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, I would like to say that as we, we did 
our numbers did drop in the beginning and, and as expected and we knew that and it it took a while and part of that was getting all the systems in place and the, everything else and uh, i think getting us ready i think god was getting us ready for, for the change uh and so when it went down you know i realized too that uh, if we're going to reach our culture uh and reach go beyond ourselves it wasn't going to be a, a 65 year old guy leading the way and uh at that point you had been preaching i we were began co-preaching for a while mm -hmm. and it became very evident that uh, god had gifted you to communicate and so uh i knew that if of course as the uh Attendance went down, so did the income go down, and there was no way that we could uh, handle uh, executive pastor salary, pastor salary. And I knew that God had gifted you and you needed to preach. And if it wasn't here, it was going to be someplace else. And I believed that it needed to be here. And that's when I uh, uh, then stepped down back in uh, 19 or 2010, I guess it was, wasn't it? Or yeah, was it? yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost exactly and 10 years. He became the lead pastor. And yeah. I, you know, and so now it's just been a joy to just be in a support role. Well, I just think that story is so important for people to hear it, it, as it relates to several different things. I think it's huge for ministry. Um, we're going to have to do another one of these because there's so many questions I could ask that I think would be so helpful. But it's huge in terms of ministry and churches today on a number of levels of and this is honestly, this is a huge goal for me that you've modeled so well as, as I get older, um, I, I want to be willing to rethink things. I mean, there's certain things that just like you, I'm, you know, I, I know that the truth of who Jesus is and the script, that doesn't change, but there's a lot of things in terms of thinking and how to engage culture and views on certain things that are going to change and morph and being willing to listen um, and that's whether you're young or old, that goes in every direction, but just you're being able to model listening, rethinking things where there is so much emotional attachment around it, things that you just held to for years, then being willing to change your view and risk to the point of like losing friends to do it. And then risk in terms of like, we started Centerpoint, we had to sell a piece of property for like $60,000 and we had no money whatsoever, just this vision that eventually became, you know, alternative to church as usual and removing every unnecessary barrier became our mission for people to find life and freedom in Jesus. Cause at the beginning, we started talking about 60,000 unchurched unreached within a few mile radius. And, um, but it just took, it took you listening, you being willing to be humble. Uh, me probably being an idiot many times, like both of us have strong views and like, but being willing to listen and not dismiss um, any of those things because of that, but go and rethink them and then take the huge risk to actually do something about it and then hand the reins to the next generation. Like I was in seminary at the time, like I really thought, you know, I, I didn't know what God was going to do that. Maybe I'd go somewhere and plant a church and, um, and just like your willingness to do that. It's just incredible because now fast forward and, you know, to see so many agnostics and atheists or people who had walked away coming back or, you know, didn't want anything to do with the church. I mean, you know, we hear the stories like literally on a weekly basis and 
growing the way that God's grown it. And at some level, even a national audience, the radio, it's, it's just crazy that that came from your willingness to just take a risk, hand it to the next generation and to listen. And so if people don't get anything else out of that, like that's a huge encouragement to me is like, how am I investing in the next generation? Am I really willing to love people in our city enough that I'll risk everything, which is what I feel like you did to reach them. And, um, uh, and then just like having the humility, um, to just constantly rethink things. Um, so it's incredible. I just say all that to say, for those who are just getting introduced to you as our church continues to grow, like we're not where we are without you being willing to do that. And, um, you know, the, the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews, I know those are a lot of dead people, but we also stand on the shoulders of people who are still living, who paved the way that, um, that sacrificed for us to be where we are. And like our, you know, our church was birthed out of that. So, um, I told you a lot, I appreciate it. And you allowing me to, um, basically hand the reins when, I mean, you can say all you want. I, I had no clue what I was doing and, but your faith has allowed God to do what um, he's done. So here's my last question. Like what, like what would your advice be to people? And and again, this can be regardless of age, but just, just the willingness um, number two or number one, to be able to step out when God's calling them to something and have faith to do that. Like what, what advice would you give them? And then number two, um, how would you encourage people in terms of being able to keep growing and keep morphing and listening? And because it just, we struggle with that. And a lot of people, they just stop growing. They stop listening. And you are the best example of anybody I know who's been able to avoid that. And now almost 74, I mean, you're, you're a part of this church on staff that many still kind of think is radical, a little irreverent, a little out there. And yet, like, you've been a part of it. You've led the way. And it's such the antithesis of your background. So those are the two. Like, what would you encourage people where God's just asking them to take a step of faith? And how would you encourage people to just keep learning and growing? Well, I, I think, you know, everything has to be examined for what it is. You know, sometimes methodology can be different. There it doesn't mean that there's always one way. Now there's one way to Christ. We know that one, one way is for salvation and, and the doctrine doesn't change. Bible doesn't change, but methodology does change and it changes with changing cultures. So, which would tell me that while there's been a lot of change, that doesn't mean we're done changing that uh, as, as culture change, as long as, as long as what we do is consistent with with the word and i would tell folks especially everybody gets older you're going to get older and i think it's important to always have a young voice in your ear um because you know and not only have that voice in your ear but listen to that voice uh and that'll help you know you know, some of the changes, because a lot of the stuff I wouldn't know, I wouldn't have any idea were not for, for you to kind of clue me in on where, where culture was at that point. And so you've got to listen. I, I think That's such good advice. To us older folks, but also yeah, listen yeah. to 
the, the various age groups down. And, uh, and that would be my. That's so good. And honestly, that's something that I've tried to do model off of you is, is even now knowing I'm getting older, I don't admit it, but like I have several voices that are early twenties that, um, speaking of things that are in meetings with me. Cause I know already, like I can easily be disconnected from the thoughts of people that are, that are younger than me. And then, you know, an elder team and things like that, where they tend to be a good bit older than me. And so all of that is because I, you modeled that so well. So I think that's amazing. So second question is, um, just, just being willing to take a step of, of faith or risk. Um, and, and, you know, when, when we get this feeling that God's calling us to step out, cause you, you are an incredible example in that as well. What well, advice would you give? Well, you had, you know, make, I, I struggled sometimes you've got to kind of differentiate what is just your desire and what is God leading you to do. But one thing I did discover, like the psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. I, I think it's important that you are faithful where you're at. Mm. You know, sometimes people, I, I've dealt with people over the years. Well, they'll say, you know, I just believe God has something more for me to do. Has something more for me to do. And yet they're not looking at what's right there in front of them and are not involved in and, uh at that point. So I, I think it's important that you you serve to the best of your ability where you are. If God wants you somewhere else, he wants you in some uh, other ministry, he's going to provide those opportunities along the way. I just, I, I think you need to, when the door's open, be willing to walk through it. And, yeah. Uh, That's so good. Important. Yeah. Be faithful where you're planted yeah. right now. Um, that's so good. I, I want to do another one of these because I had like several other things I wanted to ask you um, that are kind of a, in a totally different direction. So I, I want to do another podcast where we talk about those things and talk about some stuff with parenting. So uh, we'll, cir we'll circle back around to this again. But um, right now, if you don't mind, why don't you just close in prayer and pray for um, uh, specifically those right now that just with where you ended that maybe are wrestling with God about a decision or about stepping out in faith or about kind of uh, what his will is. We love to talk about, um, in church circles and just praying that God will lead them in that. And that, um, they'd even have confidence to take a step when they need, uh, to take a step. So if you do that, that'd be awesome. Sure. Father, so thankful for this, um, opportunity we've had just to kind of, uh, taking a, a walk down memory lane, look back at what you have done over the years. And Lord, it has been very evident that you have been with us every step of the way. Thank you for your leading. Thank you for direction. I thank you for uh, for Brian, for his willingness, uh, Lord, to answer your call as well and to step out in the ministry that he is involved with now. And thank you. Thank you so much for Centerpoint. Thank you for uh, just the way you've blessed. And I know that there are folks that are, are struggling. Uh, sometimes there are things that are, um, difficult to know what God wants us to do. And I, I, I trust that folks would understand that the majority of God's will in your life will be found in his word. And so you must be in the word of God. You must, uh, Lord, seek out his, what is, uh, the obvious written, uh, will of God. 
But then, Lord, in those other areas, the areas where there's uncertainty, I just pray that, uh, uh, Lord, that they would, would bathe it in prayer. I pray that they would uh, seek to be in step with you, allowing the Spirit of God to have control of their lives. And then, Lord, uh, as they do that, you will implant in them the very desires of their heart. And I pray that as, as uh, you do so, that they'd be willing to take the step. Uh, sometimes it's not an easy one. Sometimes uh, uh, others may not agree, but Lord, you, you've got to, to follow the, the leading of the Spirit of God in your own life. So Lord, I just pray that you'll uh, give us a just a great week again and a great service of Sunday. Pray that Christ will be lifted up, magnified, and we'll thank you for what you do. In his wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Dad. Love you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.